Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast with me, James Roberts, transformational coach, two-time Paralympian, and TEDx speaker. I have another awesome episode for you today, so let's get straight into it. And on today's show, I've got Adelaide Goodeve. Adelaide spent 10 years ago, she fully recovered from a debilitating condition that, that left her bedridden by rewiring her brain in just three days so today she's an endurance athlete and a champion performance coach for some of the world's biggest companies leaders teams and athletes so welcome onto the show Adelaide thank you so much for having me great to be here my pleasure your story is very empowering and very inspiring so if we go back to that initial uh phase of your life 10 years ago what what exactly happened for you to be bedridden for so long? So when I look back on that time, it is a blur of darkness. And I had severe chronic fatigue syndrome or ME. And for those who don't know what that is, it's when you're exhausted all the time. It's not exhaustion when you know, you're like, you've been partying and you're hungover and you're tired the next day. It's an exhaustion that is, feels like it's in your DNA, it's in your bones. And you kind of feel like you're walking through quicksand. And no matter how many hours you sleep, no matter how many hours you rest, you are still absolutely shattered. Now, ME or chronic fatigue syndrome, it, it impacts people in different ways and at different levels and for different amounts of time. I was lucky. I only had it for about four years. It's a very increase across those four years. And for me, at the, my very worst, I would be bedridden in my room and it would be dark. It'd be quiet because for me, my senses were very hyper aware as well. So normal light would be very painful. Um, I remember, like, one thing I do remember is I, I, I enjoyed cooking at the time. I still do. And in order for me to, you know, just cook dinner or to cook a cake, well, bake a cake, I'd have to sit on a stool and tell my mom, like, hey, could you sift the flour next? Or oh, let's, like, try these spices and mix them together because I was just too tired to do anything else. Now, because of like chronic fatigue syndrome is a little bit like long-term COVID in which they don't know you know what well they don't know what causes long-term COVID but they don't know what really causes it and they don't know how can you fully recover from that and can you fully recover and in traditional medicine the answer is you can't so the London's top doctor said that I would have it for the rest of my life it's going to get worse good luck and at 21 you're like wait I can't spend the next 50 60 years in bed like that's not a life so I started to delve into various different alternatives. I tried so many different things and it would have almost zero impact on my health. And then in one week, four people came and they said, hey, Adelaide, why haven't you done the lightning process? And I said, well, what is it? And the lightning process is a three-day brain training seminar created by Dr. Phil Parker. And it teaches you how to spot when you are activating a unhelpful neuropathway, such as chronic fatigue syndrome, and then how to change that signal from traveling down that limiting neuropathway to activating and strengthening those powerful life and performance enhancing neuropathways. Now, using a certain kind of visualization and technique, you're able to accelerate the brain's ability to change, develop and grow as a result of how you use it. And because you're able to accelerate that process, you can create change that would normally take years in the matter of seconds and minutes. So after those three days, I was able to walk out and start doing CrossFit. Um, I then traveled and lived all over the world. Um, and now I'm an endurance athlete as well. 
so harnessing that brain's power just completely and utterly transformed my life what would you say to people that are skeptical of that to, to, to go from say something that's obviously very debilitating to to be able to in the space of three days to do because most people know what crossfit is nowadays to do yeah. crossfit and then become an endurance athlete what would you say to say some of the cynics or, or people that are a little bit skeptical um it's a great question those is very interesting so the science is there to back it up if you look for it there is a lot of research showing that the brain is plastic they used to think it was hardwired like an electric circuit and once those neuropathways were laid down that was it you couldn't change them they now know it is extremely plastic and there is research to show you can create very quick change in the brain there's also a plethora of examples that are very similar to mine of people harnessing this power of the brain to create very rapid change and you can delve into the research it is there I often find those who are um skeptic if I have a conversation with them it's usually finding out well where it, what is your map of the world where are your beliefs and would you like to change them if not you're you know you're you can kind of talk about this until you're blown in the face you can show them mm. all of the research but actually, if someone isn't willing to even open the door a crack into what the possibilities are out there, you can show them the research and it won't really make a difference. Um, so I'm always willing to have conversations with people to be like, hey, this is how the brain works and this is what you can do to create change. Here are some examples and here's where you can go and read about it more. Um, but I don't, my job isn't to, to necessarily change people's beliefs around how the brain works oh, I educate, but it's neuroplasticity at the end of it yeah. we're talking about and obviously i would say i would i wouldn't say i was skeptical i would probably look at it as see i've done my homework and read your story so it's to, to go from what is a debilitating illness to be able to be able to do crossfit which is probably the most one of the demanding sports that's ever mm. know to man at, the, at this present day and also to do to do endurance sports it, it is probably if you were somebody that's very spiritual very religious would say that's a miracle yeah that that's someone's belief system so you could argue that i mean it depends what your map of the world is and how it fits into your map of the world and if it fits into your map of the world if it doesn't then people will say well it then didn't happen and that's fine if that's what they would like to believe and then as you said if it's if someone's religious then it could be classified as a miracle um although it's got to go through a lot more scientific studies for that um and under doctors um uh, doctoral research um, but if anyone thinks it's a miracle and that helps them create change, I don't mind how they view it. If that helps them to start living, to start harnessing the brain and living their best life. So for you, for you, Adelaide, was it almost, I almost say instantaneous that you, you, you felt a change in your body or was it something that happened gradually over, over the, the course of those three days? So brain training is different for everyone. And I had different experiences according to the problem I was solving. So for me, for chronic fatigue syndrome, day one, I felt a change straight away. Like there was another girl on my um, on the session and we went out and had a glass of wine. 
And I'd given up drinking years ago and I hadn't been out for years. So I felt a change straight away. Now, um, growing up from when I was really small, I was in an outpost with other various issues, one of them being a, a gut issue. Now, that took me a month to crack because you have to understand, you kind of have to like kind of be a detective on your body and be like, well, what neuro, like, what am I saying to myself or that's activating an unhelpful neuro pathway? And what's the result that I really want? What does that look like? What does that feel like? So you kind of have to be a detective. And that took me a month to crack. But for me, the chronic fatigue syndrome, instantaneous. For others, it can take a bit longer. It just it just depends. But your brain's a muscle. You need to get the reps in with understanding, you know, how can I best activate those neuro pathways for lasting transformation? So for the individual can in, be, being concerned, would environmental factors be a, a main play a part in obviously how quickly you can be able to implement that and what i mean by for people listening for this be it that i would assume you come from a i would say well-to-do family but you said south london but that's me making an assumption say you came from middle class background that you, you you've got a very supportive mother and father or, or be it if father or single parent as a father or mother that's going to play a major part on how you see the world. So if I was to use myself with my mom being a single parent, she was very much an advocate for me to be able to do things because she had the belief, if you put 100% in it, I'm going to back you. So for what I mean by environmental factors for other, for other people listening to this, or potentially watching this in the future, if they didn't have that, would that slow their progress when it comes to what you're talking about today? It's a really interesting question. Um, so I've always kind of, my mom's always had my back, uh, my parents have, but at the same time, I've operated out of their belief system because no one, I mean, when I fully recovered, they were like, are you sure you recovered? Like, don't overdo it. Are you overdoing it? Um, and that question I had for a year. And if I, if I'd lent into that and if I'd believed that, then 100% that would have saved my progress. Um, but I'm very um, one-track mind. I'm very determined. If there is something I want, I will go after it in any way possible to achieve that. You just have to get the reps in with your brain. I mean, if you have a really supportive environment, obviously that's going to help increase your chances of success. But if you are determined enough and you want it, and you're willing to commit and put the work in, then I do believe that you can get the same results as quickly. So what would you class that as, um, Adelaide? Because obviously some people might say, this is where athletes get the, I won't say a bad, it's, 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 it's a, almost a positive attribute that's associated with athletes, like self-centeredness. But if you take that out of that environment, self-centeredness and, and being I would call it obviously the same thing as driven disciplined and all those things that come with commitment but it means the exact same thing so it's, it comes back to that aspect that you were mentioning before of a belief system as one is viewed very negatively whereas I've been my, my family almost like it's a lot is a joke that we say about me but it's, it's like yeah you, but then if, if I speak to other people that don't know me as well it from a, a social media perspective or uh the internet 
they would view what what I ever had have achieved up to this point is obviously commitment, dedication to that craft. And it's obviously for my belief system, they mean the exact same thing. But if you were to go down the route that you're talking about of leaning into what is a negative belief of being self-centered, it's some it's almost a taboo. You can't be all about yourself. I think things are starting Sorry. to change. Things to change with that. And, and I don't quite understand the question. So, are you saying that um, just to, for me to understand what, which, that yeah. we're on the same page? Are you saying that for me not to lean into that negative belief is a self-centered trait? Well, you said that from a perspective of being driven, but obviously other people could say that's self-centered, that you've got this single mindedness or this single track. Of I think that. everyone has the right to live their best life. Everyone, everyone is deserving and everyone is worthy. Now, if you want to be the top in the world, as you said, there is research out there that has done really in-depth interviews with athletes and the traits of narcissism are very high because to be the best in the world, to be world-class, you have to be um, a, a quite an ex- not an extreme level of narcissism, but you've got to have those, as you said, those traits have to be quite high because in order to be the best, you have to make compromises and sacrifices. Um, and sometimes they'll they'll usually be in your best interest. Now, the way that I've lived my life, I don't think anyone ever would ever describe me as self-centered. And I don't think if you're driven that you're self-centered. I am very driven, but I'm able to offer, for example, those who don't have the financial benefits or the financial ability, I will offer those who are willing to commit a scholarship for my program. So you can be driven and committed without being self-centered to be negatively impacting on others but in order to live your best life you do as you said you do have to have an element of I am going to be doing this for me because and that's an element almost in all of our lives that we do things for me and when you start doing things for other people you're really emptying your cup and they'll come to a point where you will break because you cannot continue with giving 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 it because you're just depleting yourself and in order to live your best life you have to do self-care and you have to give yourself as much respect and love as you do those around you as well so would that not a matter of the generation is there no generational gap when that's concerned or or have you seen more specifically with your coaching it's very much let me go a different way with this what i've seen with my own coaching is generally the women that find struggle with boundaries and they're always you know people pleasing because it's almost like it's inherently uh, being brought up into their their way of doing it obviously I'd well, that's be, the way society's been created. That's like a whole nother question. I've been brought up in a matriarchic society, so I can't, I can maybe say a comment, but our, our family quickly say, You can't say something like that, James, because you've been brought up by a lot of women. Like, okay, I'll take it back. But some of it I mean. But the, the, the aspect of, you know, what you said of, you know, emptying your cup is a boundary issue. It's, it, it's yeah. being willing to, 
creates you're not trying to hurt people by creating saying no and creating these boundaries is almost uh it's another coach i know that put it on um, facebook's their facebook story it should be called uh self-preservation not self-love mm. there's also the healthy boundaries that you want to set or life performance enhancing boundaries you can kind of call it whatever you like but you're right women we have the tendency women have the tendency to as you said to people please and to deplete themselves more because of the way society has been structured for so long um but i also have uh, my male clients also have similar issues as well um and it's just understanding as you said like what how do we create these boundaries that are healthy for us and for those around us as well so we can kind of everyone can go about living and achieving their potential i call them standards as in they're almost like non-negotiables for me as and then pretty much you 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 program yourself to it becomes an automated process an unconscious decision because you see the benefit of why you're doing it whereas maybe at the beginning you need to set the boundaries for other people to almost allow yourself to do something that inevitably is going to make you feel good anyway so and it's almost like that approach of uh how would you describe it fake it till you make it as the americans would call it in terms of what if you don't necessarily believe in it right now and this is somebody sent me a video for a, a, a business coach that talking about it but from a more from a, a wealth perspective to if you give a narrative to somebody else of say uh, what was the example i own a six or seven figure business and it's not the truth but you you say it enough to other people from a rep perspective i like the sound of it let's make it happen so that's almost like a fake it till you make it approach that some people don't like um some people i'm probably somewhere in the middle if, if it needs to be done to for me to to make it to become into fruition so be it uh, other times obviously it's it's better to do um the old saying of action speak louder than words and actually do the thing so i i think under the cuffs of what we're talking about is is a lot of identity issues that people got like identity crisis and and beliefs that necessarily they've been preconditioned to and almost been programmed to do almost like a computer with an empty hard drive. Yeah, so we, we, I mean, limiting beliefs and identities are the key things that can keep us stuck. And it's interesting when people say that it could come to setting healthy boundaries or it could be like, I want to eat better or I want to have a healthy routine and I want to talk more positively to myself but they describe this internal battle. Like, I really want to do this thing, but I feel like I'm being pulled in this other direction constantly. And when they try to change a thought or habit, but they haven't changed their right belief or identity, you have the misalignment. And that's when you have to tackle, as you said, the identity and the belief, and you can do it in whatever way you like. Some people do, they just repeat to themselves, like I have a, I have a six figure business and they tell people this and for them, that's creating alignment between where they want to be and who they are now. And I like to think of it as you, with the habits, with the thoughts. And once you've created these identities and beliefs, you're kind of bringing your future self into the present. So if you want a six figure business, which is some people's goals, 
then it's thinking, well, if I had six, if I had a six figure business, what beliefs would I have? What identities would I have? What habits, what thoughts would I be thinking and doing? And then you can bring that into your present world. And then you're kind of nudging yourself continuously in the right direction and increasing your chances of that success. Well, it's, it's, it's quite deep. It's something I've done recently. I've come back from a business mastermind of, of we were looking at, you know, what's the relationship to money? What What is, yeah. um, what's the other question that my coach asked me? Do you, do you truly love yourself? Which is an awkward, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh about it. Um, Cause it's, it's a, it's a, it's a general question to ask yourself because it shouldn't matter uh obviously we're in an age that people are seeking approval from what is external or people that they don't even really know about uh be it from facebook perspective instagram perspective uh, and maybe nowadays tiktok whereas you're almost creating you're trying to fill the void which is quite scary when you think of young people as well why what why is your life so empty i won't say that you hate yourself or anything like that because that's that's a judgment thing that you need to seek approval from other people that you might when when in fact that i would say i'm probably slightly older than you my my generation and older and once you get probably like 40, 50 year olds, so most people don't really give they don't really give a shit about somebody else's opinion. They've got to a stage in their life that they don't need to seek validation from somebody else. And if they the 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 comment or opinion of somebody else if it's not worthy or gonna actually help them from a from a critical standpoint to move forward through something, it doesn't matter. Obviously, I've not got to that stage yet. I still do to a certain extent sometimes can let emotions take hold and to do some silly some silly things uh when it comes to uh other people's opinions probably when it's closer to home it hurts more because it's like well i thought i knew that person better than i do um but then at the end of the day that is the other person showing their true colors and they potentially don't want you to succeed and that's one way to do that is to discourage you to bring you down and then obviously you question your own ability to to keep going because it's like well are they right do they have the best intentions and this is probably where family wants it even more because it's like well they wouldn't be saying these things if they didn't love me but i think with especially within within business and it has happened in sport as well they're not in my shoes and they've never potentially never got to where I've got, I wanted to get to. So thus their, their opinion is obviously respected, obviously declined. So it's, I think that's a very much you're committed to that, that cause and you're driven to obviously get to the, to the destination because the, despite those, hurdles being placed in front of you you kind of going well I, I acknowledge what you're saying but i don't agree with it thus i'll acknowledge they decline that belief because it doesn't align with what what, what i want and where i want him to go 
which is very difficult to be able to do, manage day in day out because it's ultimately I think it's noise and it's whether or not what you've got going for you is obviously gonna keep go keep you going definitely that's a really great one because as you said a lot of people we're well we've got social media and then we have the other people that we surround ourselves with um I tell my athletes because a lot of the time we put as you said we put focus on the external stuff and it's just the wrong focus to have and often it's quite ego driven so sometimes we're not putting the stuff out necessarily to because we're filling a void we're putting the stuff out there to show off our life and it's diving in why am i doing that why am i using social media and also a lot of my uh some of my clients were like you know i just feel really crap looking at instagram it's like well unfollow the people who make you feel like crap you know you don't have to have them in your sphere and it's really important to remember that you know we've got to feed our brain healthy food we wouldn't be living off McDonald's for all of our life. And we forget that our brain is the same. We've got to feed it healthy things. I was talking to my clients this morning, like when you first thing in the morning, like don't check your email, don't turn on the news, don't watch social media, like have that time, even if it's five minutes, just to focus on you and to set your intentions for the day and feed your brain. Things are going to help you thrive. And it's going to, again, activate that best neurology. When it comes to dealing with, those who have um, differing opinions on how we should live our life. There is like the more extreme you can go down is actually, do you want that person still in your life? And sometimes the answer is no, which can be very difficult to then deal with. The other one is to know that they have their own, as I said, everyone has their own map of the world. And if someone's saying like, oh, you can't do that, you can't achieve this, often actually they're not necessarily talking to you but they're voicing their own limitations. And it's really interesting. Once you start hearing people talk and the language they use, you can very quickly gauge their view of the world and what belief system they're operating in. And often if they don't understand something, especially if someone is going for a more alternative life, or if you're an entrepreneur, if you're going after these like grand, these grand um, sporting goals, like you have the Norwegians in triathlon who are an absolute powerhouse and achieving things never achieved in the sport before. And at the beginning, you know, they have the doubters as well. Like you can't achieve um, Ironman World Championship and World Triathlon Series Championship and Olympic gold medal. Like that's insane. You can't go after all three things. And he he won all three. Um, so you're always going to have those people who are going to kind of pour water on your fire. But as you said, it's just, acknowledging that it's not you don't have to take on those things and that's why you have to be very as you said self-loving to yourself rock solid in your confidence and know your vision and have almost tunnel vision in order to achieve it to as you said to kind of avoid the noise you want to put on noise cancelling headphones well the, the one that i found interesting because uh, during that retreat we did um what's it called the technique sound bath oh um, sound bath so so i'd never i'd never done before but it shows the progression that i've made as an individual that i was still open to a let's see what happens 
you maybe rewind five years ago, it'd be yeah, this is this is a bit, bunch of woo woo here. This is, there's no way that 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 that, that uh, be it. I can't think of what the name of the bowls called, but say the bowls with the frequency would obviously make you feel a certain way. And I think our coach was explaining before the gentleman did it is the the state that that call it a session not really the right word for it it puts you into the state of of, of theta um and yeah. it's almost like going back to a childhood where between it's the age of zero to seven we don't know the difference between what's real and what's real uh but what is uh our dream so you could almost blame schooling to a certain extent because obviously two of those years and and three in the uk you're being almost conditioned to what the teacher's ideology or thought process is because you're very much coming in tune to, I'll use the British system because it's a bit easier to be able to back this up. It's all about results. You're all, you're, you're preparing for, well, for my mother's ear, it's probably an easy 11 plus. It's all about getting to the next stage. It's like you're, you're 11 years old. What difference did it make? Whereas if you look at, say, the rest of Europe and the US to a certain extent, it's all about 18 years old and finishing school and that's it. You work up to that fight, to finishing school. And if you want to go beyond that, obviously that's up to you. So what I found interesting is being able to, to tap into that higher state to a certain extent. And I, I won't bore people too much because it's, it's quite interesting to to kind of go through through those phases but it was surreal almost because it was almost like an outer body experience obviously okay. if people have done meditation before and done other things like that they'll be know what i'm talking about but if you haven't experienced that and you were maybe oh if we went back to me as a 15 year old and an athlete and doing visualization, I was very much in conflict. I know people can't see my hands, but you can, because I was not open to it. It, it was uh, a 2D image we had to visualize from as like, well, this building's not being built, so thus it's not reality. Um, what was going through my mind at that stage, I don't know. I've probably been a rebellious teenager, and I fell asleep. But obviously, that's the extreme, the other way of, you if you you get relaxed so much you will you because you're not you're not consciously aware what you're trying to trying to focus on thus most people would fall asleep whereas with sound bathing you naturally would go into that state of theta and then if you can get really relaxed you will fall asleep because you're going into the, the, the delta frequency so but that's something that I've been willing to do say in the last five years to do something that is more of an East Eastern approach of looking at uh, oh, what's it called? Um, oh, I can't remember what it's called. The beats. I can't remember. So do as in a frequency that's coming to different frequencies, they cross over. So one ear hears one and the other. And then willing to do meditation, willing to do... I got very good at visualisation later in my sporting career because I would probably 
willing to do it and I saw that it worked. It's like, well, and then from a sporting perspective, to be able to to be on the press pre- precipitous to be able to do every scenario you can think of. And if it does it was to occur, you've already experienced it and you know how to react, as opposed to most people, if something bad happens, they almost react to it. It's, it's very it's not very very reactive as opposed to be pragmatic and proactive with it. So the the soundbathing with me has got me to kind of go, well, there's certain techniques within meditation that work better. And there's certain ones that don't do as well. So for me going forward is like, well, if if I won't say heaven forbid, if something's going badly, you, you can revert back to that because you know it will obviously uh, lower lower your arousal levels from a stress perspective because we are in beta most of the time, um, which is quite funny when you think of software as being used that term to to be as in to do a better program and it's not. I can revert back to that to be able to almost find a baseline and then take emotion out of it. So for me, Gosh, the the change that I've made in twenty years—we're talking about twenty years, but obviously it's, it's more 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 progressive than that. It, it's it's obviously to, I'm not the same person when I retired from sport, and I'm not the same person as I was at fifteen. Obviously, I've got a lot, I've got more mature. I would I would I would expect, but I'm more open to alternative opinions, different. Uh, ways of thinking maybe in some scenarios i'll take on board somebody else's thing because it's like well what 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 they believe in is maybe going to serve me more than how i think right now going forward i really like sound bathing um i meditate every day i think it's absolutely one of the best things you can do because we often get stuck in um, the sympathetic nervous system so the fight or flight response and if we get stuck in that then it leads to so many different chronic health issues and burnout and various other complications and you have kind of then are naturally more negative you have a failure focused mindset whereas if you can use meditation if you can use visualization if you can use sound bathing or um, any other kind of spiritual practice that helps you to turn on your parasympathetic nervous system the rest and digest then that is going to be really amazing. And as you said, when you then get into more challenging situations, if you're used to doing a breath practice, you'll be able to stay more grounded more easily. You'll be able to have a more calm and relaxed response to something. Mental rehearsal um, for athletes visualization is so important because it's quite interesting because you said that um, when you're younger, the brain doesn't understand between what's real and what's your dream. Actually, the brain doesn't understand between what's real and what's imaginary, full stop. And so when we're daydreaming, we're almost creating memories, which is how you're also able to use mental rehearsal to prepare yourself and prime your brain and program it to respond in a certain way. Because when you do it in in a very purposeful, deliberate way, you're able to almost remove one blueprint that's not really serving you and install a new one. Just then when athletes come, when athletes use it and they come up to, I mean, Michael Phelps visualized for two hours a day. So then when he came up to situations, he knew exactly how it's going to go. So he'd primed his brain and really activated and strengthened that neurology. 
And so it's really important when we're daydreaming, when we're visualizing to use all the important and positive language and thoughts and beliefs and identities associated with that, because that could, it's kind of telling your brain that this is going to become our reality, or this could be our reality. And often when we are stressed, we are just thinking about that. And like, we have a video going around in our mind about how the situation is so stressful and anxiety, and it's not even happened yet most of the time. And we blow it way out of proportion. So it's really important to then when you have a practice like visualization, meditation, you can then bring yourself back to your breath step into a more calm and relaxed state and it's interesting with sound bathing um i've done it for years now in various different ways um but when you said that you can go back to that time between you know zero and seven and with my a lot of my clients that's when you have as you said you have these limited role models around you and they have their own beliefs and identities and the way they do things and we absorb that and often if we come across a situation when we're that age we don't know how to react so we respond in a way and it works and it keeps us safe and the brain kind of stores that response away and so when a similar situation happens it's like well that response worked well that time let's do it again and it does it again we're like oh we're safe still like this is awesome and that becomes like a shortcut for certain situations and it almost we almost stay responding as if we are four or five or six or seven. And we bring that into adulthood with us sometimes. And it could be around, uh, often it's around um, food or money. And it's really interesting once you start unpacking that with my clients, it's like, they're like, holy shit, I didn't realize that's like the four-year-old me. And then you're able to, um, um, this is like, um, if you're you're into sound bathing, um, but it's more of a woo practice for some, um, because you're able to grow that part up and grow that belief up and you're able to talk to it and find out more about it and what it wants. Um, and then you can develop it into a response that then will serve you as an adult instead of limiting you. Um, so I'm all, I'm completely with you. Visualization, breath practice. I do it with my clients every twice a week. It's amazing. Well, I think in hindsight, I wish I know some, I wish I knew some of the stuff I know now, now, know now. 20, 25 years ago, but it would be looked upon as I won't say something wrong with you, but in terms of what, what why why are you doing some of these practices? Because they're obviously looked as I don't even know where that belief come from because it's not somebody else's, that's mine. In terms of I would probably view meditation as, you know, somebody in a, a Buddhist monk in a and I won't call it orange jumpsuit because it's not an orange jumpsuit. <laughs> but in terms of being orange, it's sat in a in a corner humming to himself. But if you think of the state in which they can get themselves in terms of like enlightenment and be obviously like high higher state of what is it? Not alpha, omega, omega state. I don't know if I could ever do it, but in terms of be being able to almost displace yourself and have no bearing on judgment of yourself or whatever and be fully accepting of who you are at right now, it's a very difficult thing to do, to do those two things alone, because obviously we we we've we've taken on other beliefs of other individuals be it family school work etc to become 
what we seem to be our own and obviously we've put judgment on well i i i can't not judge myself for xyz and i can't be fully accepting of where i am right now because i don't like where i am right now um and i think for me i think the light bulb moment was probably during the pandemic because people were saying well you want you want it to be this perfect day this perfect day doesn't exist and obviously i preach that a bit more to, to clients and other people because it's like if you can fully embrace acceptance of we'll say today is a 10 out of 10 but tomorrow is a 5 out of 10 above 10s out of 10 because that's the best that you can be able to bring to that day and if you can accept that that's quantitative measurement doesn't matter i think for me it doesn't matter whatsoever because if it's a five i'll do things differently to show up the best that i can uh five out of ten so for me okay it's taken probably a year and a half two years to do that but i've i've got the openness to to be accepting that hey i can change i'm willing to change there's maybe some things that i don't quite fully want to embrace or accept at this problem in time but obviously in the future if i want to be fully changed being a, a, a transient state i'm gonna to have to accept them uh to the point that gosh when was it was it this no yeah it was yeah i had an outburst this week because i didn't like the criticism that i was getting back that i apologized to the other person um i don't think a couple of years ago i would have done that i kind of i've had an outburst i don't care what you think um the other individuals said I didn't need to apologize, but I think I did because it was it what it wasn't the other person didn't deserve to get the both barrels that, that they got because all they were trying to do was help. So that's progression because it's I, I mold over it for a few days because it's like, well, I really don't want to admit that I'm wrong, but I should because at the end of the day, they're not trying to hurt me as a person because they're trying to help me. Um, and I'll be the bigger person. I didn't I didn't expect them to, to to say what they did in terms of you don't need to apologize. But I I I to really let go of that situation, I needed to apologize. I think more so for myself to kind of go that that's response you did is probably what you're talking about Adelaide is reverting back to uh tantrum behavior as a child um and obviously that doesn't work that's never worked for me in my entire life with my family because it didn't get a response so thus I didn't do it so I think that's why the apology had to be done because it's like well you don't behave that way and you have you didn't get a response anyway other than it stopped but i know i probably would have got possibly more help if i would have been like i normally am receptive of criticism because i get praise for that and people are quite they're quite astounded to the the amount of criticism you can take and not say anything back it's like well tell me the truth <laughs> i gotta take it on board if i wanted to do something with it uh and what I do, obviously, so that's one good thing about Zoom is you can mute yourself. The amount of you were trying to talk, other people can't hear you. Um, so I'll take it on board. This case, 
this time around probably up probably upper limiting some sort of upper, upper upper limiting belief so it happens to i think the best of us uh that element of you could call it self-doubt or there, there's some sort of barrier that to, to get to the to, to the next level of comprehension the the next level of business or whatever whatever level you want to get to there's going to be some excuse me some sort of schedule uh, some sort of schedule some sort of hurdle or barrier that somebody else will put in the way or you'll put in place just so you can seek solace and comfort back to where it's easy and convenient so i thought i'd share that no it's really important because we have to be able because we have to be our own detectors as well and our own coaches and to identify an unhelpful pattern like you did like it's like i reacted he's like you reacted and you responded to a situation it's like actually a that's not who i want to be anymore it's not who i am b that's really interesting that's a that's an old pattern i want to break and then it's figuring out as you did well how do i break that pattern and how do i step into my higher self and it's just figuring out well what is that for me and for you that was apologizing which is incredible um, and it, it's amazing. We should be celebrating these small wins as well, which we rarely do. Um, but I actually had a client message me today and be like, oh, I just like this thing happened and I've been reacting in my old way and I'm defaulting. But actually, I realized today is a new day and I can start again. And it's so amazing because now through um, we've been doing a program. I'm on like a champ performance um, reprogramming journey with them. And this is our fifth week. But five weeks ago, she wasn't able to identify what are the unhelpful and limiting patterns. And now it's like, I can see them. I get it. I can emotionally process them in a healthy way. And that could be crying, which is a really healthy, a healthy thing to do, which we, which is almost tabooed still, but it was an incredible process for the body to release and let go of unhelpful things. And then to be like, okay, well, what do I need to do now? to get myself back on track, to be in alignment with who I want to be and with who I am. And if we can start recognizing these patterns and start to understand what would I love to do instead, what do I want to let go, then you are continuously going to take yourself to the next level. You'll like this one in Adelaide. Mm -hmm. This film that family were watching. I don't know what the name of the movie is called, but it was... Set in in Canada, but it's uh, Italian. So they said, obviously, crying is to wash wash the soul. So I think oh, that, I love that. So and 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 you would you would probably typically think of the say the Italians, the Spanish, the Greeks, Southern Europeans is very emotional characters. Obviously, one extreme or one or or, or the other. Uh, you and I both being from the British Isles, it's almost the synonymous of the British stiff upper lip is to, to, you're almost conditioned of I that's probably where the stubbornness I cut it comes from 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 my family is is that more you just grin and bear and you get on with it and it's like well that's not helpful really because if you're yeah. saying that people need to I say worst case scenario not grieve to not deal with trauma and almost to to let it circumvent and and to be able to, to and this is something that I, I not necessarily do with grieving but 
in my athletic career, I would almost like sweep it under the rug. It's like, oh, it's no big deal. I'll deal with it when I retire, whenever that may be, five years from now, 10 years from now, or so on. To the point that, and I don't mind sharing this with 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 with, with the audience, I had a breakdown mm. five years ago, and and and, I, and obviously I, I I was working in high school in secondary school at the time. I blamed the job, but I think that was the final straw. Uh, it pushed me over the edge. But obviously, me sweeping things that were, God, they probably might have been like minor. I wouldn't say very major thing. If I'd have dealt with them at the time, they'd probably be insignificant and they'd have been, okay, they'd been awkward and maybe a little bit of a nuisance or to a certain extent adversity to face, but they wouldn't have been the magnitude that I left them to. That was pretty much everything. You open up a, a cupboard and everything comes out to pretty much hit me like a ton of bricks. Uh, to the point that I had to go to counselling, I had to go to things to rebuild up. So to the point that, okay, the counsellor I did see is like, well, do you want to, to work towards going back to do that job or do you want to work towards doing something else? Mm. Uh, I don't plan on going back to this because I don't necessarily enjoy it. It was all right. It's, it served me from a coaching perspective. It was useful. But obviously I wanted to go back to coaching and and. I, I, if I do something wrong, obviously I need, I, I should get the criticism and things like that. I don't deserve to be verbally abused every single day, Monday to Friday. And then obviously utilizing other things to then be an escape from, from that reality, just to be able to save face and find a balance. So what I want, wanted to share from that is obviously don't, I don't know why people wait to hit rock bottom obviously some people's rock bottom is a lot less uh aggrievous than others obviously for me i hit rock bottom and it wasn't there what i shouldn't laugh about it there was no going any lower because it was like well it was affecting other people and i went no no this is, this is unacceptable to the almost like it was a an awakener's hey you're you're quite happy to to not do certain things of, you know, I, I, I didn't groom. I didn't, obviously people can't see me now. I'm well shit. I'm, I, I, my appearance is more important to me. I don't care what other people, if, if you, if you like how I dress or how my appearance is, that's wonderful, but I do it for myself. Cause it's almost like a, the standard that I set for myself. And if I fall short of that, okay, I need to still work some, cause obviously that, the language that I'll use towards myself will be probably very negative because it's like, well, you're not doing this, this, and this. Why not? And it's very detrimental. It's it's not really going to innately want you to respond in a positive way. But then I'm probably being conditioned from the sporting perspective as you get on and you get on and do it anyway. This and and this is something that uh, I had a. A coaching call with a, a young athlete didn't come to work with me in the in the end but that's fine and it was almost like talking to myself 20 years ago because he was saying it doesn't matter if i like something i somewhere in between or i loathe the thing i just need to get it's like no stop there stop mm. there because that's exactly how i was talking 20 years ago and that's one of the things if i could talk to myself now i would say no no that 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 needs to stop because yes if you like it, that's wonderful. 
but there's something to learn from that. If there's somewhere in between, why is that the case? Because what why why are you not happy in what you're doing? Because obviously not not very many people are gonna do uh what I did for, for the number of years that I was doing it. And obviously if I don't like what I'm doing, hey, you've got a luxury that some people don't get. I'm doing something that I well, I got paid to do, but I would have done it for free to the point as when I was starting out in my career and they said, oh, you're going to get paid. Oh, wonderful. That's great. But I don't care. I'm doing something that I'm passionate about and I, I want to do. And OK, the pay was probably the bonus, but that's where it gets the waters get a bit muddy and you get a little bit confused and the ego takes hold. But for me, it was like I had to stop that person in the track because it's like you. It, if you want to take any away from the conversation from me is you're going to remember that as, Hey, you like it, learn something from it. You don't like it, double down and learn something from it. If it's somewhere in between, learn something from it. So that's probably my only, I won't even call it a regret. It'd be something I'd like to change because that's probably why towards my end, end of my career, I thought I looked at it as a job. I didn't like what I was doing. And that's probably I lost sight of why I was doing it in the first place to the point that, okay, I'd achieved pretty much almost everything that I wanted to do, but I wasn't that hungry individual that started out as a 11-year-old, maybe younger. I was, nothing nothing was frightening. And this is obviously with my coaching I do now, it's, it's, it's quite fortuitous for me because when people say they're anxious of the future, I'm saying, well, why? But then reverse it from a psychological perspective as what 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 drives you what 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 in your life excites you and then find a almost um how would I describe it commonality between the two because they that's the gap that you're missing it's not necessarily trying to make the person feel bad as hey what's missing for you to be ecstatic about it fine excuse me finding maybe their job they they get a buzz about what drives you about your job what does that give you and it gives it's it's very very we well, could people will see this when it comes to purchasing now it'd be more about emotion but how what 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 does that bring to your life by having that in your life which is quite interesting whereas maybe before you could maybe use underhand tactics in anything to get a job done because it would be if you don't do it it's almost like the fear of missing out which is horrible feeling for anybody is that fear of missing because you don't want to be that individual on the outside looking in because like well this makes me feel like crap i must i must do this whereas what i educate people on is hey it doesn't matter what i want my 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 wants don't outweigh your needs because if you want to do get healthier improve your mindset that's going to take hard work see hard work doesn't sell people don't want to hear that it's like i don't want it difficult done enough done enough of that in school um so obviously for you and i's job is obviously short term it's financial reward but to see somebody grow and to get the desired result that they want obviously some people have obviously poo-pooed that for me 
and said, oh, what you did in sport was more inspirational than what you do now. I was like, I don't agree. This, this puts a rocket on my ass probably every single day. Or if I don't show up, I feel really, really guilty and kind of go, that can't happen again. To the point that even though I had a 10-year sporting career, I probably never felt like I do now. Mm. And that obviously that was my goal. That was my goal. And it, it doesn't even equate, and I can't even really put it into words how I feel, because I think back to your point of you would give somebody the... the a scholarship if they if they were committed and worthy enough to the point that obviously that's something I'm considering with somebody else recently because what they messaged they messaged me I felt almost in tears it's like you need help and I know that obviously money is not an object that you have obviously when the time is right obviously I'll probably reach out and say hey I'm going to give it to you I don't care if you say no I, I'm I'm adamant that you're going to have it because you 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 will get a lot out of it and it will make me feel obviously amazing and even if obviously the the financial thing doesn't really bother me so to 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 my point of that's an evolution as a person because we mentioned obviously self-centeredness at the beginning of the episode that you don't say you were that but i'm definitely two different people i was driven and i was self-centered for at least 20 years of my life, maybe a little bit more. It's only this back end of 10 years that it's more about other people. Uh, and and it might be because family have been biting away at it for, for the beginning of those 10 years to kind of go, you need to think about other people. You need to ask them how they're feeling. It's not all about you. To probably it's trickle to, yeah, yeah, they're right. And to to help other people is ultimately what we're what we're supposed to do as human beings is to help others in need um and through probably no fault of other of their own obviously social media has probably blurred that to to, to almost like oh, i need to show off to i can see what your point now like because that I, that's probably why people couldn't relate to me a few years ago it's like oh you're on this mountaintop james but I was maybe not being able to showcase how I could help because you're only looking at what I've achieved and everything that it brought me. Obviously, there's a lot of sacrifices there that I miss probably a lot of my own birthdays because I was competing to the point I'll, I'll share this because it's, it's quite a funny story. I would compete on my 21st. And I was that anxious that morning. I forgot it was my birthday. I was that nervous to to be able to perform. And it wasn't until teammates said happy, but oh yeah, oh shit, it's my twenty. To the to to, and that is pretty much one of the most important birthdays you're gonna ever have. To the point that okay, I've got a funny story to say about it, and that's it. I I, I know the result obviously happened. But to forget your own birthday because of the magnitude of sh- of what is stress is un- un- unimaginable that you would think of, you would forget about your own birthday. But it does happen. Definitely. Um, I mean, when we're under stress and anxiety, it's very easy to forget why we're doing something in the first place. And when we're experiencing such a high level of stress and anxiety, then it's 
a symptom that something needs to change so you can experience more joy in your life and more love in your life yeah but that's that's a that's a difficult one uh, in terms of you trying to change something for the sake of it because I think this is where I don't think you're changing something for the sake of changing something you're changing something because you want to change something yeah but if it's something bad this is probably where people are un I won't say unwilling they're not they're unwilling to venture into that pain in some circumstances it's a lot easier to to, to obviously to to work, work towards uh pleasure as opposed to maybe dealing with it, understanding uh, that hardship. And what I mean by this is obviously I wanted to do that two years ago. I don't like the state that I'm in. I want to change it like that. I can't click my fingers, but instantaneous because this makes me feel somewhat better, not because I wanted to be happy. I just wanted not have that negative emotion. That's what I mean. Oh, okay, yeah. So the way I teach is I don't have negativity and positivity emotion, like emotions. I don't, I hate that label um, because actually a negative emotion can be helpful to us in certain circumstances. Like we said with grief, actually it's helpful in some circumstances to feel grief, to cry, to feel sadness. And so with my clients, it's like when you're doing a state, because we're active in the process of feelings, whether we realize it or not, is recognizing when you're doing something is it helping me or is it not helping me? Is it enhancing my life or is it not? And once you've asked yourself this question, you can then go and ask yourself, well, how can actually I change this? How can I enter or feel something that is more life or more performance enhancing? And then that question is so powerful because it opens up options for you and opportunities to change how you feel in that moment. Because you can change state very quickly um you see it like what we're in one state when we're listening to rock music we're in a different state when we're listening to relaxing music we're in one state when we're going shopping we're in a different state when we're driving so you can change our feelings you can change them quickly just having the right strategies and understanding how to do that i think i'm watching the science when it comes to to emotions i think it was like 30 seconds if you felt angry it was gone in 30 seconds it's just because people are recalling that emotion that it doesn't go away thinking okay so if it's gone within 30 seconds why am i still angry towards somebody but i think we're we're delving into that that the, the stuff that you're talking about which i've done you and you actually look at well what 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 did I do to contribute to me making myself put myself into that state in the first place? What did I say or do to the other person to make me, we'll say anger in this case, to become that? The other person could walk away from that. You're still in dealing with that emotion. So, mm-hmm. and back, back to that point that I made with apologizing for what I did at the beginning of the week. I chose to be angry because I didn't like what I was hearing. The, the person wasn't doing out of malice and they didn't think I needed to apologize. I obviously did because obviously that's, I won't say out of character, that 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 way to kind of not listen and kind of hit something, sorry, with with with, an, with a rebuttal every single time is out of character because it's like, well, when other people do it, you'd be kind of go quick to judge and say, like, that's unacceptable behavior because at the end of the day, you've asked for feedback so why can't you take it so 
what I'm trying to showcase is this is twofold of obviously the situational because ultimately that's happened in a situation you should be able to move yourself beyond that because you, you might not have got your way you might not have got the answer you wanted to um you, you we could be in disagreement we need to be i'm at the end of the day we need to be able to be civilized and and, and almost take that emotion out of the, the situation so it's interesting when you do see i think it's um gosh it's his first name sim sim simchek the psychologist he was, he was talking about the emotion a little bit of you don't give and i'll give the story so it makes sense that people don't, can follow along he went to see one of his friends at a play her performance was good but the play was crap so she asked him what how was the play he said he, he kind of give a diplomatic answer but i'll give you my full feedback tomorrow when the emotion has come out of you giving a performance which i think is quite amazing because you normally would go if somebody asks your opinion you'd give it as well i think it's crap and obviously she would probably take that to heart and not be very happy <laughs> with the response i think that i mean if someone said i'll give you my opinion when the emotion is out of it i'd be like crap they think it's shit <laughs> i i probably i've not worded it very well but as if, if you you probably go find it on the internet yeah of I think he gave it like a very diplomatic answer the night of the performance and then gave his real opinion the following day once her emotion and her, uh, the adrenaline had come out of the, situa the situation and then the person is receptive to the to the feedback because they're, they're, the logic is involved. As Okay, mm. your performance was, I think it was great, but the play was garbage. If you weren't in it, I wouldn't have gone and seen it. Mm. That's I think you have to know the kind of person you're talking to, though, as well, and be aware of, you know, can that person, like, is it going to positively enhance, like, is it going to positively enhance the situation or their life? And sometimes it's worth just just lying, to be honest, um, especially if the person comes. Some people will ask your opinion, but they actually necessarily don't want, they want to hear certain things, you know. Um, so definitely, I mean, I change my response, my communication according to the people I'm talking to, to ensure that, you know, you're having, you're kind of influencing the situation to be as best as possible for that well, person. For that's you. picking up on body language. That's, that's the skill in itself, that in terms of tonality, the way that, okay, we're both of us are sitting down, but say if we were standing face to face, how, how, how is, how are their hands uh are they are they open are they defensive this is that 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 stuff is quite fascinating to me in terms of how could you then transition it to this scenario because this is more difficult because i can only see half of the person can't do can't see what they're doing with their feet can't see what they're doing with the hands um obviously there's other cues with people's eyes and things like that or looking over looking over in the distance and things like that uh that you can do so it is I think inherently it comes back to obviously what what your beliefs are because obviously most people are conditioned to tell people what they want to hear, not not the truth. And and I think rightly what you've said, Adelaide, of you might need to 
mishmash that sometimes to to, to give them a response that's going to help them the best. Uh, mm. I've, I've fallen foul of that because I gave somebody a soft, soft approach that didn't work. And I've gone in with both barrels because it's like, well, that doesn't work. And obviously I've been nice to you. I'm going to show you the other extreme and they didn't like that. So to the point that, hey, thanks for your help. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and I'll see you in the new year. It's like, okay, maybe what I've said is too extreme for it, mm. for you in that case. But for me, and maybe I should do it in front of a mirror and it's in myself, I need to have I need to have said that because that was a conviction the person needed to hear from my point of view. Okay, it didn't help them because obviously they've not done anything with it. But I can feel comfortable now that hey you can go somewhere along that spectrum and feel comfortable whereas maybe in the past because of some things that I weren't doing I couldn't be able to kind of go well that's an excuse what's the real reason that you don't want to do it and I could pretty much stand on both feet and say proudly hey I'm doing it despite xyz you've got the same things why in your mind you're not able to do it okay that's sometimes not fair but the i think people get what i'm saying but obviously i guess maybe i don't like what you said in terms of lying because then the person might start lying to themselves in terms of their behavior is all right and it could escalate or get out of control but obviously that's very Worst situation. I'm saying if you're in a situation, but it depends. So some people aren't open to change. Um, so really when I say lying, like if if your friend is super excited about a play that they are in, um, and they're like, hey, what did you think? You know, and it's a hobby, for example, or it's a their career, and you want them to continue that momentum, you can say, Yeah, it was really great. Even if you didn't like it, because maybe it's not your taste or it's not your thing. Because sometimes, you know, even if they heard the truth, you know, they're going to react unhelpfully. It could send them down a downward spiral or actually it's going to create conflict between you. So when I say lying, sometimes you you need to kind of white lie because the truth isn't going to be an appropriate response to create a, um, to sustain a necessarily a relationship. Because some people, you just know if they're not open to change and transformation, that you can preach as much as you like to your blow in the face, but it's not really going to make a difference. Mm. So when I'm saying lying, you've got to be aware of the people you're talking to, the relationship you have with them, and to understand what what would be the appropriate response or the best response for them and for me to positively influence the situation. I think the athlete is very, very, very well conditioned to that because ultimately they're going to get criticism no matter what. Again, it depends on the athlete, though. Each person is so different depending where they are, depending how they've grown up. I've had athletes who, um, and also when I have someone and I take them on as a as a client, I'm like, what kind of coaching style do you like? Because some people don't like being told like total, you know, um, honesty. Some people prefer like, could you just be like a little bit fluffier or softer in your approach? Um, because you're trying to facilitate change. And in order to facilitate change as a coach, you have to be communicating to that person in a way that they're going to most respond. 
I'll bark him. Oh, is that your dog? Cute. Yeah. What do you I have? Think, you think he barked at the beginning of the episode as well. So. Wants to be heard as well. Has an opinion. <laughs> he's been on. He's been on one of the episodes during COVID when I was talking. I was like, yeah. Edit that because because you're you're barking. I edit this bit out now, but. Because you're barking, I can't think of what I'm saying. <laughs> I can't remember how to say it again. So, uh, and nobody's commented on it, but I probably would say, do you remember this bit? If I did it as a video, it'd be, you can't see him, but it would be funnier because then it's almost like the news two years ago, people walking into yeah. offices when they're on a, and some people being, no, no, get out, get out, get out. Like, well, it's it's happen it's gonna happen. People Yeah, don't, it's just know. life. <laughs> um he doesn't like doors closed, that's why he's barking. So mm. so um so but I think it's more because he's a rescue greyhound. When mm. we first got him he wasn't locked in the kitchen, but he was closed in the kitchen, so he can't create rip things up or anything like that. So I think it's more that anxiety from a past experience as Hey, I don't like that the other person's the other door and I can't get in or yeah. I can't get out. I don't think it would mind getting too much unless it's too hot. So yeah, so it barked then and before. So mm, uh, we have a rescue as well, and she has you can see her hang-ups <laughs> from um her past experiences. It's really sad. Well, it's the racing dog, so people kind of we ran off at the, at the beginning of the week, so like so that that might be why I I did an outburst on on what day would it have been Wednesday? No, it wasn't this week. Last week, yeah, it's last week, not this week. That I had my outburst. I think it's probably because I wanted to shout at him, that <laughs> <laughs> person, because uh, uh, I shouted in the street, so neighbor had to run after him, and obviously a greyhound quicker than a human being so yeah they're quick <laughs> so but but yeah so i'll probably worried well where are you gonna go where could you go um so but no done done it for a long time hopefully it doesn't do it again won't open keep doors open next time mm. so the the aspect that that you mentioned adelaide from the the social media perspective, I think it's interesting to tie in with what we were talking about just 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 before, of you know, they they're almost creating a brand, so to speak. They're creating their own identity, so to speak, as in it's removed from be it a team sport, their 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 own brand, and obviously the the criticism that they're gonna get, so. I'll probably use Cristiano Ronaldo because he's present and he's and he's current. And obviously, he's coming for a lot of criticism for. I've not watched the interview. I've seen only seen segments of it. So I fall in a camp that I support that club, and I respect him doing and saying what he did because obviously he's uh, he's coming to the end of his career and he wants to. I think, to a certain extent keep his legacy intact um and okay some of the things that he probably done is petulant child and things like that, you, know, you know walking out or walking out this walking off the pitch before the end of the game or walking out the stadium is 
it's unforgivable from a sporting perspective, but what he's had to to deal with his girlfriend losing a child and things like that, I can kind of go, well, hey, he's a human being at the end of the day. Athletes are not robots. They might have been in my day because that's almost how you were treated as like you're replaceable. And if you don't operate in a certain way, that, okay, for me, I think the only social media that I was, had access to would have been t- Facebook was very a baby and Twitter was more the formidable thing on, on the planet. So you wouldn't say things in public that would maybe get you in trouble. I've had teammates that have done things like that and say, well, why did you put that out? You know you're going to get in trouble. It's like, have you not had a uh, some sort of conscious dialogue with yourself? He was 18 at the time, so he was a bit um, naive. I think me being sports, I was 15, is probably maybe grew up a lot quicker as uh, you can't put things, you can't voice your opinion on this. You probably can nowadays, but back then you probably couldn't so my point is for that for you Adelaide Adelaide do you think it's very difficult for athletes and do do you see that why that some people have got obviously issues with mental health because it's it's almost a balancing act inside the individual that they're having to one portray some sort of image externally for social media and obviously that's the perception that people have as that person is almost godlike or they they have things easily for them so that's the robotic but for that person internally it's almost like a mask so if i use my because i did that as an athlete it was almost like two different people i said i was one person with family, family and friends who, who i knew and knew me very well i'd obviously let the guard down and, and obviously for the sport it was almost like this uh knight in shining armor as i've got to be this almost different charismatic person so do you think that's where the inner turmoil comes from for those in for in, in athletes in general i actually think it's healthy to be two different people one on social media and one off because the person you're portraying on social media you don't want to be completely open and transparent um you need healthy boundaries in order to have that you need to understand why am i using social media what do what value do i want to get from social media and we all have a brand and it's portraying oh what do i want to share on social media what don't i want to share on social media and understanding that and then understanding how do i want to consume social media um, because it is a distractor from our performance as well. So it could be that you just follow maybe three or four people and you just share your your training. Some people love to share more than that. They love to share like, um, well, much they go on so many different spectrums. But it's important to understand why am I using social media? What value do I want to get from social media? And how am I going to consume it to enhance my performance and my life? Um, so they're the questions you want to be asking yourself and then understanding how then can I use social media to maybe promote myself? So post-career, I then post-sporting career, I then have an audience and I have something that I can leverage for my success or even as an athlete leveraging your success with sponsors. So as being just very self-aware around how you're using it, I'm seeing um, with amateur athletes, they're looking at things, you know, like Strava, 
um, and Instagram and like, well, they've just posted that they've done an 85 mile cycle ride. And I'm also doing an Ironman, but I've not done 85 miles. So I should be doing that. I should be doing X, Y, and Z. And often we're sharing the highlights. That's what social media is. It's mainly highlights of our life. Um, I mean, I use it for more educational purposes, but it's very an aspirational highlighty place. And if you are a hundred percent believing everything you're seeing on social media, then you are going to run into problems and start having the self-comparison and it's going to trigger downward spirals and thinking, well, they're doing X, Y, and Z, why aren't I? But you have to understand everyone is on their own unique journey and you've got no freaking idea what other stuff they're dealing with. Like you might have this wonderful life and just training is the second part of it. Whereas maybe training for them is it because everything else could be falling apart. You don't know. And we're so quick to judge on social media as well. So it's important to understand that use social media for yourself and for your life, whether it's in business or for, you know, you, you like it because it's inspirational. Um, and that's really important just to have that awareness around how am I using it? How am I consuming it? Unfollowing anyone that triggers anything unhelpful, get out of groups that, you know, that make you feel bad. You don't have to be in them. And we often feel we have to follow people. We have to be in them. And you don't, you can, again, it's coming back to consuming the healthy stuff for your brain to help you live your best life this would probably horrify you this um why was it um what piece of software is it can't remember the name of the software but it was saying by the by the 20 2030 people will be consuming on average 28 hours of content a day which is obviously i don't know how that's possible but hey to be able to consume 28 hours of content in 24 hours i guess you must be considered i don't know how they've done somebody's not a very good mathematician that's for sure i think there that's, that's probably 2030 it's an interesting date to choose when people will be consuming the most content i think the direction we are being pushing as a society is um is a little bit scary when it comes to consuming content and the amount we're being pushed on. I mean, I'm not, I can see where meta is amazing. Um, the metaverse, um, I love Zwift myself, but do I want to live my entire life online? Is that healthy thing for all humans to do? Really, I don't think so. No, that, that, that I hope is still science fiction and be, uh, what's the most recent movie that did that player one? I've not seen it but I mean you can buy you can buy um there's an interior design firm now in New York that specifically creates I'm not interior the architectural firm that in New York that creates buildings in the metaverse and people pay millions for it so it is there and it will be coming um but I think as if we as humans can be aware that we need to spend time outside and plug into real life that's where our happiness and joy is going to be at its highest frequency and energy that's what we need to do more of um so less social media um which is an amazing thing to use but we want to be more um conscious of how we're spending our time and really think about is this enhancing my life what actually would maybe it's turning off netflix and reading a book or talking to your friend or going for a walk instead well it's probably something that you and i as youngsters we were told to go outside turn that off go outside to yeah. okay one of my neighbors is is, is uh 
I'll say 14, 15, because it's still your school uniform. He's on the game console most days to the point that at that age I wouldn't be allowed to be maybe yeah. maybe on the weekend, maybe school holidays, but it'd be hey, it's time to go to bed, that thing comes turns off. Or if it was on, it'd be hey, you can have half an hour more and that's it. And I would yeah. take it. That's that's the, the boundaries. Okay, I won't take I won't take leeway and do more. To obviously back to the to, to the days of when I was working in school, I pretty much did everything that I didn't do. Like morally, ethically, that's pretty much built built me as who I am. Didn't do it. I'm too tired. I haven't got the energy. But that that doesn't make me feel better when I go into that in kind of a, what is a toxic environment because I'm not doing I'm not eating pretty I'm not eating poorly because I'm just surviving I'm not exercising because I don't I I too tired because I'm lethargic uh, and obviously took having a breakdown to kind of go well this is unacceptable you need to do this you're going to exercise a minimum of this you're going to eat this type of food you and you're going to and you're going to exercise and you're going to change um i did it through music so i'd use a lot of music that i'd listened to years ago um i don't listen to it all the time but be it whatever makes it inspirational for you for my case it'd be hip-hop and rap but that's that's what obviously makes me for for, for you mentioned rock i'm assuming that's for, that's that's your cup of tea for somebody else that could be classical music as a massive extreme the other way and that would that would make you feel good because there's something that is well music is a frequency that makes you feel good and obviously for me there's memories that go with certain music because i remember what, what i was doing when these things came out and or what i was doing to to go along with it so thus it's a good emotion so that it was it was Emotionally, probably psychologically, it was hard in the beginning because I hadn't done it and it was almost my body fighting against it. To, to now it's like, well, you're going to do meditation, you're going to do uh, binary beats. I couldn't remember what it was, I remember what it is now. Binary beats, music, to then that locks you in from a focus standpoint to do the task. And you obviously mentioned social media. I'm actually not okay we're on a former social media because it's zoom but facebook is open it's open in the background doesn't bother me um my phone i don't pick it up instagram i only go on to post and that's it because it's work related tick tick is probably my achilles achilles heel at the moment so i need to rein some of that in because well that's designed to be addictive it's really interesting well, it's it's giving you what you were consuming. So it's like so it's interesting because it's giving the stuff that you want say you want to learn, give you more of that. If you want to do the silly dances, they'll give you more of that. Um so uh, but then you don't look at YouTube the same way, but that's the same thing. Because it's Yeah, more, YouTube's more long form content though. TikTok's yeah, but you could addictive because it's it's like three seconds, ten seconds, thirty seconds, and that's what the brain um, that gives you a quick hit dopamine. Yeah, but people need to look at that as food would do the same thing. Yeah, it's all consumption. Not, not good. Uh, news, 
is a probably a very, very big one because we don't generally look at positive things when it comes to the news. Uh, rarely positive things are reported. <laughs> so 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 that for me, obviously TikTok, I need to look at it more because it was long term format for YouTube saying most people consume more than they create. Mm. And that should probably be a problem because it's like, well, you're not doing something that maybe makes you feel good or you're very good at, but you're consuming more of somebody else's. So and if you were to create more of what you you do, you'd probably feel better and you'd get fill your cup up because hey, I'm I'm doing it because I'm doing something that I'm passionate about. It might help somebody else, and that's a ripple effect versus mm. if I consume somebody else's. And this is another comparison as well. You start uh, overthinking it and you're over intellectual. So you obviously think it's not good. It needs to be better than it is. And obviously it never gets produced. Um, I'm going to do that as a piece of content because uh, it was a good idea. Because it's like, well, I don't need to overthink it. Just say this, this isn't it. This is why this is bad. <laughs> and this is why you should do it. But we've almost created an alter alternative reality with social media because this this expectation of Instagram is probably the worst for it, but this facade of perfection, be it, you know, beautiful people, good physiques, it's demoralizing for people. To, to, to... But it depends who you're consuming, though, as well, because the people I consume aren't like that. I asked this of all my guests, or most of my Adelaide, if you had to sit down with any athlete, dead or alive, for that matter, who would that be and why? Christian Blumenfeld, because he is an absolute powerhouse, and I'd be fascinated to understand his mindset. And as you're a coach as well, if you got to sit down with any coach, dead or alive, for that matter, who would that be and why? Dr. Joe Dispenza, because his work is absolutely fascinating. Um, I love everything that he does. His book, Supernatural, is amazing. His meditations are incredible. And I'd love to learn more about him, his story, and where he thinks the future lies. Okay. And then my final question before we wrap up the episode, if you had to summarize into one sentence what we've talked about for people to take away, what would that be? Know that you have the power to influence your life in the direction you'd love to go in. So Adelaide, once again, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. It's been my pleasure. Thanks again for tuning in. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and got loads from it. Anything that was included and discussed will be available in the show notes below. And I would love to hear from you. Come and connect and ask your questions. I've been James Roberts from jamesowenroberts.com. Remember this quote by Chris Hart. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute, not by some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete.